The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the After the Cut edition of Long Shots, the world's number one golf betting show right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you on a Friday night after the cut at the 121st United States Open going on at Torrey Pines Golf Course in beautiful La Jolla, California. Good evening to you, Wes, and uh, let's start at the top of the leaderboard. You have Russell Henley and Richard Bland tied for the 30 six hole lead Richard Bland of course won a month ago for the first time on the European tour it was his 478th start on the European circuit when he went into that event he was ranked 218th in the world now we're a little bit more familiar with Russell Henley he's been a tour journeyman and a successful player for a long time but this is uncharted watered for uh, uncharted waters for the 48 year old Richard Bland from England yeah it certainly is is, and you mentioned Richard Bland's win at the British Masters last May. Oldest ever first-time winner on the European Tour at 48 years of age and now in the U.S. Open. And I was looking up some information about Richard Bland. This is only the fourth major championship that he has even participated in throughout his entire career. So has not, I don't believe, made a cut in a major. I think he's made one cut in a major, and that was 2017 at Royal Burkdale for the Open Championship. But the reason why you're seeing Richard Bland at the top of the leaderboard, right now he's second in the field, strokes gained putting, gained about 6.6 strokes uh, through 
the first two rounds. Only Scotty Scheffler is better at about seven and a half in terms of the flat stick. And Richard Bland tied for the lead, as you mentioned, with Russell Henley. Now, Russell Henley actually got the outright lead. He got to six under the lowest score overall in the tournament. Did give one away on the 18th. So Russell Henley and Richard Bland, obviously Henley, the more known commodity, has won a couple times on the PGA Tour. I think most, at least regular golf fans, are very familiar with him. But Richard Bland, right there at 500 par, they will be the final group on Saturday at 500 par. Wes, if you look a a little bit further down the leaderboard, I think it's pretty interesting where you have Louis Oosthuizen and Matthew Wolf both just one stroke off the lead at four under par. Now, we know Louis Oosthuizen won the British Open in 2010 at St. Andrews. We also know that he has finished runner-up in every single major championship. Matthew Wolf, in his very first U.S. Open last September at Winged Foot, finished second. And guess who finished third? Louis Eustace. Mm-hmm. Here are these guys at the top of the leaderboard in a U.S. Open once again. What are your thoughts about these two gentlemen? You know, you can't be surprised with Eustace, and we know he's a big game hunter, and he has been in the hunt for many majors. Of course, he was at the PGA at Kiwa a few weeks ago, played very well at the Masters, so that's not exactly a shock. Matthew Wolf, we didn't know. He was very much boom or bust, I think, coming into this thing because he had not played in over two months. He had been dealing with some injuries and whatnot. So he had not been in the field, but seeing what we're seeing out of Matthew Wolf and look, it could have been even better. Brady, if we go back to Thursday's round one, he made eight birdies, which in a U.S. Open is uncanny to make in a round, but he only finished one under the par 70 for that first round because he made a lot of mistakes. If you look at where Matthew Wolf is really gaining He's gaining three and a half strokes off the tee. That is third best in the field behind the two longest hitters, arguably in the world of golf, Wilco Neenaber and Bryson DeChambeau, Matthew Wolf right behind them at 3.51. And then you look at the approach game. I believe he's in the top 10 gaining 4.29 over two rounds. But what I think has really been a little bit surprising about Matt Wolf is He's been doing, I think, you know, okay with the putter, and that's really kind of the weak club in his bag. So he's gained 2.42 strokes over two rounds. It's really kind of the chipping game and around the green when you miss the green is where he's losing so far. But Matthew Wolf, obviously right there, and kind of when we look at some of the in-play prices, I believe pretty much market consensus we're getting 10 to 1 on Matthew Wolf, and he might be a guy if I'm going to get involved with somebody because both you and I are actually on the two betting favorites, I think, by and large. Both you and I are on John Rahm and Xander Schauffele. John Rahm at about 7-2, to 4-1. to one. Xander Schauffele, 6-7-1, or seven to one, depending on where you shop. And I think, look, John Rahm, and we'll get to him more momentarily, looks like he is absolutely the rightful favorite here, but Matthew Wolf not that much far down the board. Yep, no, I hear you loud and clear, and I wanted to ask you before we get into some more players and what we might expect going forward in this championship, what did you think of Torrey Pines so far, and and, and I want to hear what you thought, what my impression was on the first day that... Um, I think that was the most gettable day we're going to see over the course of this entire championship. That was probably when the golf course was at its softest and the greens were going to be, uh, you know, the, the most supple and were the most receptive of golf shots. It still 
looked somewhat like a U.S. Open, but I don't think it was 100% there. And then today, it increasingly got more U.S. Open-ish, if you will. And I think it's only going to increase throughout the weekend. Now, you know, we don't typically see a 36-hole leader at five under par at a you know, at the utmost uh, definition of a U.S. Open. But I think we're headed that direction. The the scores actually may get lower here before we're finished. Yeah, you could certainly see that. And I think kind of what we saw, at least, I don't know if it's a pronounced bias, but basically what you see early in the morning, and you're only going to see it really in the first two rounds, is that the POA in terms of the surface is a lot more pure in the mornings because the grass has been mowed. As you go throughout the day, these greens get bumpy. And look, they're going to be as bumpy for the leaders really on the weekend in rounds three and four, respectively. So that's what you're really going to see. So you got to have some experience on these greens. And you look at a couple guys that did play well. We kind of had a mixed bag if we look at Torrey Pines in terms of the Farmers Insurance Open in January. Some guys played very well and some guys did not. But two guys that were definitely in the hunt for that event, which was eventually won by Patrick Reed, are John Rahm and Xander Schauffele. And they, I think, are the rightful two favorites. John Rahm, a very workmanlike 70 today. And look, he only hit five of 14 fairways. And it, I kind of made the statement, hey, that's a pretty darn big round to get in at 70 and be three under par, even though you're not on the lead when you hit five of 14 fairways. And he mentioned in his post-round uh, press conference that he was not very happy. He's like, these things just would roll off the fairway and wouldn't stay in. But yet, he is in at three under par. And really, Brady, when I look at this, and this is a trend, so keep this in context. That doesn't mean it's going to happen, but this is from our friend Justin Ray at Justin Ray Golf. If you look, the last 25 U.S. Open champions, 23 of those 25 were at or within two shots of the lead through 36 holes, and 24 of the last 25 U.S. Opens were inside the top six rather through 36 holes. So if we look at that leaderboard right now and see who those guys are, Richard Bland, Russell Henley, Louis Ustase, and Matthew Wolf, Bubba Watson, and John Rahm, that is your top six. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think Xander Schauffele at two under par is certainly out of this thing. So even though this trend has been pretty strong, I don't want to count a Schauffele or a Scotty Scheffler or a Bryson or a Brooks Kepka, guys that have some major championship medal. Colin Marikawa had a nice round today, four under par 67 to get the even. Justin Thomas kind of hanging around there at even bar. So I don't want to say that these guys four or five strokes out of leader out of it because they are not. Well, let's talk about some of the guys that missed the cut and some of the guys that were uh, a little bit lucky to make the cut. It looked like the cut was going to be at plus three all day long. And then as the afternoon wore on, more and more guys started to make bogeys and let some more people into the field here. It ended up falling on plus four, and that got Jordan Spieth into the weekend, Kevin Kistner, Siwoo Kim, Paul Casey, and Shane Lowry. I know Paul Casey and Shane Lowry are a couple of players that both you and I like their chances this week. But you look at some of the guys that missed the cut and we're talking U.S. Open uh, winners that always seem to show up in majors in Justin Rose and Webb Simpson. And they were God awful. Mm -hmm. They just finished about dead last in the entire thing. Tony Finau missed by a lot and maybe the greatest track record at the farmer's insurance of the entire field. Jason Kokrak and that total driving and the great putting he's had this year. He was a guy both you and I liked this year. Abraham answer, Victor Hovland had to withdraw, but he wasn't playing well either. 
Victor Perez, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Willie Z, Zala Torres mm-hmm. was a guy that a lot of people, and I, I expected him to do well. He's been fantastic in majors so far. Corey Connors, ball striker extraordinaire, didn't make it. Terrell Hatton looked like a real threat after round one and falls all the way off the pace today to miss the cut. And then finally, Matt Wallace, Sam Burns, and Cam Smith, class players in their own right. And Victor Hovland also add him to that. Now, he was an official withdrawal because I believe he got sand in his eye and couldn't see. Now, he was well on his way to missing the cut. I think he was nine over par when he withdrew. There was another guy that was tied for second back at the Farmers Insurance Open and really wanted the only guy out of that pack that challenged Patrick Reed for that event. So I had him, and I thought he was going to go better than he did, but he did not. But overall, four over par does make it into the field. So 71 players they go low 60 in ties now they do not have the 10 shot rule at the u.s open anymore so that's why if you're wondering why the five over pars did not make the cut in which there were a lot of guys on that number that's why because they do not go at the 10 shot rule anymore all right wes let's take a look towards the weekend and the odds board there wherever you can find uh, DraftKings, of course has updated odds i know bet mgm has some up i'm not sure if they're out yet at the westgate or yeah i've got them right in front of me Brady. Westgate starting to pop up. Okay. So everybody's starting to put out the adjusted odds board here as we head into the weekend at Torrey Pines for the U S open. And as you mentioned, John Rahm is the favorite. I've seen plus three fifty. I've seen four to one. You mentioned Xander Shoffley. I've seen plus six fifty. I've seen eight to one. So in that pocket there for Shoffley, uh, some other choices here at the top of the leaderboard, Matthew Wolf at 10 to one, Russell Henley at 11 to one, Kepka at 16, I've seen DeShambo as high as 20 to 1. Uh, Bubba Watson also in the neighborhood of 20 to 1. So anybody on your radar there that you might jump back in here and uh, rebuy, if you will, to win this thing? Right now, I've got three guys that I would consider at least bonafide to even somewhat on the periphery of contention. Of course, the two favorites having them, John Rahm and Xander Schauffele. And I do think John Rahm is the guy to beat here in this U.S. Open. I just like the way he's playing. He's not making mistakes, and when he does make a mistake, he recovers very quickly, and he just looks like he's playing that workman-like U.S. Open game without a lot of variance. Pars are very good here, and he's only two off the pace at three under par, and I also have Shoffley. I also have Scotty Scheffler, a very quiet 69 today who did get into a tie for 10th, but if I'm looking at maybe some guys to add here, I don't really want to go too far off the grid, Brady, because as I mentioned earlier, you usually don't see guys five and six and seven shots back. I I want to say it was Webb Simpson maybe at Olympic Club, and part of that was Jim Furyk when he was the leader when he came back to the field, but you usually don't see a lot of far-from-behind comebacks here at the U.S. Open because, like I said, pars are good, and it's just when you gain a stroke and there are birdie opportunities out there, it's like you give it right back. We kind of saw that with Brooks Kapka all afternoon today, who does get in an even par. And I think where I'm seeing him, I'm seeing him around 16 to one, which is where I think he really was pre-tournament. There were a lot of, I think, sharp guys that did like Brooks Kapka this week. So you can still get him at that price if you want to go ahead and do that. Of the shorter guys, maybe Matt Wolf at about 10 to one would be somebody I'm looking to add because 
because these numbers are really impressive in terms of not only off the tee, but the approach, the ball striking game. He's probably been the best pure ball striker in the field, and he's not really losing with the putter right now. So if he can hold that together for four days, we didn't see it coming because he's been out with injuries. Matthew Wolf might be a guy I would look at. I'm not going to, I hate to discount somebody, but I'm not a believer in Richard Bland. He's 33 to one right now, 35 to one, basically. So I don't know if he's going to have, be able to go the distance here for 72 holes. I think some of those guys at plus one as talented as they are like Rory McIlroy, 35 to one right now. 40 to one. He's a little too far back for my taste. So probably what I would be looking at here in my position would be Matthew Wolf. And I would also, you know, I'm trying to talk myself into Bubba Watson perhaps because he does have a win on this course back in 2011, the farmer's insurance open, but he's so bad at the U S open throughout his career. He's missed eight of 14 cuts in the U S open one top five finish. So I don't know, maybe 20 to one might not be enough on Bubba Watson. I would need a little more. Well, I don't know if you saw his post round interview today, but uh, it was fantastic. Yes. And and Bubba, I think has grown up and and matured so much uh, in the last five to 10 years. Uh, He he was pretty erratic and had a hot temper, you know, when he was coming up, when he was uh, first winning his, his first masters and whatnot. And he didn't make a lot of friends really uh, as far as fans and on the tour, but boy, it it was an absolutely honest, candid, very humid and uh, human and humorous uh, interview there after his round. And, and he said exactly what you're saying. He's like, Hey, maybe, maybe I finally got this U S open thing figured out. And he goes, but you know, I'll go out there tomorrow and throw up all over myself. I mean, it, it was really a piece. Did you happen to see that? I, excuse me, I did, but, and, and look, and, and I'm happy that Bubba Watson played well. And I think he has showed maturity. And I think when you get into your forties, which he's now in, you kind of get a new perspective on the game of golf. And and he, I think, always had at least some decent perspective because I remember when he won his Masters, he goes, my goal was to be out here and to get 10 wins, which he has now accomplished. So he has you know, made a lot of money and had a lot of fame in this game. So now I think he's kind of playing a little bit more free and easy. But if there's a U.S. Open course where he's going to play well – it does make sense that it's here at Torrey Pines where he has a pretty good record here and he has a win in 2011. So, it, I mean, it, it really makes sense. And he is actually one of just three players, just him, who his playing partner will be in round three tomorrow, John Rahm and Louis Oosthuizen. Through two rounds, the only players to have gained a full stroke in the fi- on the field, at least off the tee, approach, around the green, and putting. And those are the four things we measure every single week. Okay, well, Wes, I am with you on a couple of those guys, a couple of go- uh, those guys that we already have pre-tournament, rooting for John Rahm and Xander Shoffley. Of course, you and I landed on Rahm and Shoffley before this U.S. Open got started, and I agree with you that they have not been topsy-turvy. They've been playing very steady golf. Xander, of course, missed a few short putts today, uh, but for the most part, I've liked the game of both Shoffley and Rahm. Uh, I was uh, disappointed that Shoffley missed the birdie putt there on 
the final hole today. I wanted him to fall into that trend that we talked about, being only two shots off the lead. He's three back. Rom is only two back. Uh, but even at eight to one on Shoffley and four to one on Rom, I still think they're good bets heading into the weekend, and I'm happy to have them in pocket. If I was going to get involved here with a couple of guys longer down the board, your guy, Scotty Scheffler, Wes, I think he certainly has a great shot here. He's only four shots back. Worries me a little bit that he's been so over the top with the flat stick and gaining so many strokes putting, but I absolutely believe he has the game for this golf course and this championship. And then Kevin Streelman, who's kind of the ultimate prototypical U.S. Open player. Lee Jansen, Jim Furyk, you know, just plods along, hits greens and regulation all day long. He's also had great success at Pebble Beach, which I think is a course that correlates here to Torrey Pines. So Kevin Streelman, just three shots back, and you, you can find him in the neighborhood of 40 to one. Scheffler in the neighborhood of three, or 33 to one. Those would be a couple guys that I might look at uh, if I wanted to get re-involved on a couple of other guys further down the board other than Rom and Shoffley. That is going to do it for us. It is the U.S. Open after the cut edition of Long Shots, the world's number one rated golf betting show here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.